gentlemen, welcome back to the podcastjuice.net. My name is Michael Dean, and you're listening to the podcast on Prince. We are back. Uh, let me first just say thank you to everyone who took time to listen to our cat interview. That was the last episode. We got a lot of response back on that. And again, we want to thank Cat for coming on and uh, sharing her stories and going deep with us. That was just really a good time. All right. Today, uh, before we get into the topic, let me welcome my man, Big Sexy and Saxer. How are you? Man, rough week, rough week, but it's all good because now it's all about the music. And uh, I wanted to take a quick moment to definitely thank all of our listeners because it amazes me the reach that we are having. Uh, we've been contacted by listeners from outside of the country and just recently my man from way around or way around the way i like that i think i write a song about that my man marcus definitely shout out to him you know because we got so many new listeners coming in and it, it's great meeting everybody it, it's a blast and now we're gonna we're gonna delve into some good critical music talk which is always my best part of my day all right. And today we got a special guest. Uh, he, uh, I can't remember if he's been on the show before or not. Actually, yes, he has. What am I thinking? Um, but I've known him online for quite a while. Some of you are going to know who this is. Uh, he also came up with the topic of today's show. Before we get into that, we have to welcome Mr. Chris Lacey, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How about you guys, man? Doing excellent. Thank you. Do what we do. Cool, cool. So uh, believe it or not, this is actually the first time I've ever been on the show, but oh, okay. long time listener. Okay. Um, uh, I, I know before we uh, uh, hit record, I uh, shared a couple moments with you guys that have always stuck with me over the years. Um, uh, Mike, your Bootsy Collins impression from Artificial Age <laughs> still makes me laugh to this day. Like if that song comes on, like I still hear it in my head of like, <laughs> like I hear it. I hear it in my head. And then Big Sexy. Um, I know that uh, the Mila J thing on, you know, it's that, uh-huh, uh-huh. You got to do it for me because I can't do it. You, you do it much better than I could. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. I love that song. <laughs> Again, there's a story behind that. I want to name names to get killed. But, yeah, you know, I had, I had a lady friend back then. And that's what she sounded like. Oh, Good man. Like yep. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah man been a long long time listener um to you guys for a long time so man it is a huge privilege to be on the show man thank you guys for inviting me for sure and uh, tell the people you, you've done uh some things online uh, of note in terms of music journalism and stuff and give us some examples yeah 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 so uh about four years ago um i was on uh, albumism.com as a uh, contributing writer um, and wrote a, uh, several Prince pieces that um, some of his uh, band members actually promoted uh, on their own. Um, I know that uh, uh, Dewan Elliott uh, posted it on his Twitter, and I know that uh, Eden Nielsen had liked um, a couple of the posts uh, that that I had put up. So, um, and then uh, let's see, I've been doing some recent collaborations with um, Prince's friend on YouTube. Uh, the most recent one that we did was uh, we did a breakdown of the Artificial Age album. So. Um, if there's anyone that has not checked that out yet, I highly recommend you check it out. It's a, it's a great conversation with uh, with Prince's friend over there. Right on. Shout out to Prince's friend. Love what he yeah, man. does. And joining us straight from South Central, I believe, uh, Mr. 
Aunt Pooh, sir, how are you? You there? I am doing good, really, really, really well. <laughs> you doing good, really, really, really well? Yes. Okay. Good and really well. Come on. Good and really well. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 that writing pedigree right there. Okay. Mm. okay. Tyler Perry, hit me up. Wow. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Wow. Oh, we right. haven't even got it started yet, and he's already no, off, man. Right for, right for the party. He's jumping it off. Oh, and right. then on top oh, of that, I, I not only saw Birds of Prey, I saw it a little inebriated. So I think I'm still uh-huh. feeling the after effects. All right. Mm. All right. Well, let's get going here to today's topic is what we're going to do is we're going to look at Prince through the decades. But what we're doing is we're going to pick one song. Each person gets to pick one song from each decade. And this is, you know, the only criteria is, you know, what does it mean to you? Uh, in however fashion you want. So you're not necessarily saying, well, this is the one song that everyone must listen to. Maybe that is what you're saying, but I mean, for whatever reason you want to pick it is what it is. So we're going to take turns and we'll, we're going to start with the 70s and each person will say their song and you know, give a little something about that. Um, so with that said, we're going to start at the 70s. I'm going to let my guest uh, start us off. So Chris, what is your pick all right so uh so for the 70s if i had to sum up the essence of prince in one word it would be rebel uh he was on a journey to be the best version of himself from day one and i felt like we had our first glimpse of that on soft and wet uh i can't think of any other 20 year old that was bold enough to write lyrics like this on their first solo single where he says uh you know hey lover i got a sugar cane that i want to lose in you baby can you stay in the pain like it makes no sense for him to have this much swagger this soon, yet he does. And um, that just really set the tone to give him the green light to say whatever he wanted uh, from that day forward. All right. All right. Soft and wet. All right. Uh, Aunt Pooh. So do you have a song from the 70s? Now, I know the right answer should be I want to be your lover, but I'm going to go against conventional wisdom here. And I'm going to pick the song that, you know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> the song, I'm sorry? Which album was that? I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to Ann. He, he's, a, you know, hey, that's, he got a real life out here. We got kids and stuff. For uh, sure. For sure. Big yeah. sexy, sir. What about, what about you? Well, uh, I am going to go with the right answer, which is I want to be your lover. And that's because when the 70s were going on with Prince, as you know, most of us know, he was given free reign as a young, young man to do this. No outside producer, no overseeing by the label for once. And then they came to him on the second album and said, this is good, but we need a hit. He's like, I got you. He walks back in the studio, cranks out, I want to be your lover. That is the birth of a genius. And we're all seeing it happen. Again, the album was done and the label's like, we need a single. We need a hit here. He's like, all right, walks back in and pulls this one out of the pocket. That was, that put the world on notice that he is more than a, than a possible flash in a pan. He's not going to be soft and wet and then back to obscurity. He's like, no, I can do a little better. And he did it. So we put everybody on notice that I write, I play, I produce, get ready. Hmm, okay, I want to be. Mm. I, I think that would be. You say the right answer. I would say that'd be definitely an obvious 
sort of answer. But I mean, that song is just classic. It's probably like if the one song anybody would know from the time period. If yeah. They, you know, if they weren't like even a super fan. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to be a lover. Yeah. So I can definitely respect that. Ampu, are you uh, are you ready? Yes. Yes, I am. All so right. I'll, I'll do it again. <laughs> like I said, the <laughs> obvious answer is I want to be a lover. However, I'm going to go to the For You album and the very last track on the album, I'm Yours. I discovered this track, I want to say three to four years ago, and it blew my freaking mind. I mean, you got you got all the quintessential Princeton. You got the guitar. You got a banging drum beat. You got the bass. And then you got that guitar. I mean, yeah. come yeah. on. You got <laughs> everything there. And then he ain't even sang yet. You got this one part here. I'll give you what you want, but please love me now. I'll do anything you want. You're the teacher. Show me how. Now, we know that Prince likes to play with the male, female, you know, uh, perspective in his songs. So you could take that either way. And I just mm-hmm. think that just overall, it's a great song. And then, like, once you get out of the lyrics, he just goes for three or four minutes of just funk and musicality that, you know, in 1979, we should have all, well, I was only two, so I got an excuse. We should have all <laughs> known this dude was going to be the man. Wow. So I, that, that was actually going to be my pick. Uh, <laughs> last night when I was thinking about this. Oh. I, I, no, I, yeah, because I agree with everything you said, man. Like that, I believe that. That song does encapsulate a lot. Everything we sort of go to see from him later and was on that first album. And it, it's a remarkable song. So, yeah. Feel you. You was going to say something, Chris, I think. Uh, no, no, no. I, uh, I, I'm, I, I think Ampu nailed it, man. Um, you know, and, and I appreciate him going against the grain. That's probably one of the things I really appreciate about his perspective on any episode that he's ever been on is that when you think he's going to go one way, he goes the opposite way. So salute to you for that, man. Oh, wow. Thank okay. you. Well, he cleaned, yeah. I cleaned that up at the end because I was like, you can go... That comic could go one way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to throw shit. I was like, what, what, what? I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I was about to be like, oh, who let this fool in the house? Yeah, see, this may make sense to our hardcore listeners, but after the last podcast we recorded, this, I don't know, I think the, the, the iron is still a little... Any little, any little something slick meat. This something slick meter is probably still peaking a little bit. What, what he said? Nah, nah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me get nah, I was just like, yeah, I, I don't mind going against the grain. Nope, not at all. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, uh, so my pick for the seventies, like I said, I, I am so close to picking. I'm yours, and I was talking to somebody about it too, and they were like, that's the song. Um, but. I got to go with what I feel. And for me, it's a little, a little ditty called Crazy You from the oh, yeah. For You album, 19, yeah. 1978. Um, Love that song. This is, you know, it's sort of like acoustic type of thing. But to me, I was like, what song do I always just go back to no matter what? Like, and that's the song. Like, from the first moment I heard it, loved it. You know, for me, it's just the feeling that I get from it and his voice, uh, you know, the crispness like of the guitar. The I was like, damn, this shit is just ill. It's just something. It's just that sound about it and the way it makes me feel. I'm just like, that's some print shit. Like, 
Mm-hmm. And, and I heard this album, when I first heard this album, it was, you know, Purple Rain was in its heyday. So I was kind of going backwards and I heard this and I was like, damn, he had this back. Like, this is, I like this even better than, you know, so it's just one of those songs that, you know, uh, to me, I, it's almost timeless. Like, it's not necessarily dated in the instrumentation to me. Uh, it's just guitars. I guess it's a little keyboard, but it's just his voice and just the way he sings that falsetto and just the soul of it, like that. I'm not even going to play myself, but, you know, that. Yeah. That shit is just like, ah, oh, this is so lush to me. Like, So I, I have to pick, for me, if I just think of Prince in the 70s, I would go with Crazy You. It may not be the one that, yeah, yeah, but. I just think it's a timeless type of song. No, no, that, that's that, that's a great pick, man. Um, for for all the reasons that you stated, I, and, and I'm like you, like I love that unplugged kind of vibe about it because you can strip away all the superstardom, and you just set that man in front of a, a mic with a guitar, and then he'll come out with something like that. Yeah, that's, I, a, I, that's the magic of Prince. I could only, I mean, later years we get sort of the more. Um, here's a piano album or here's a, you know, the acoustic album and things like that. But I would, I can imagine if he would have did an album like that back then, if he just, you know, Prince wouldn't just have you come out just straight acoustic soul or something. Mm -hmm. He would have been, he would have nailed it. You know, he had the skills back then, but Mm -hmm. anyway. If he had put that in the set, the acoustic set during musicology tour, he'd have shut it down. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. So the the 70s was not, it was hard, but you had two albums to choose from. So, you know. 80s is hard. (laughs) The the 80s? This is very tough because, again, we're trying to pick one song uh, from this whole decade. And this decade is so, first of all, there's an album for what, almost every year. Mm -hmm. And these albums are ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> um, so this was a tough one. So, man, um, I'm going to start with Big Sexy first. And I know it's hard, but just give us that one song, man, uh, for the 80s. All right. I'm going to go way left of center on this one. You know, the 70s were the introduction to the genius. 80s were superstardom. You know, he had a run from 82 to 88 unparalleled and the thing is out of all of the hits and critically acclaimed music he put out in the 80s which is not easy to do i'm gonna go with man monday because at the time he did it wow I hear you giggling over there, Anthony. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm no, that's not. I'm not shitting on your pick at all. I'm just like, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 was definitely left to center, man, for sure. But 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 go go ahead. I'm 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 curious. The reason why I went with this is because while you're the superstar and you're putting out your great, arguably your greatest era of music, you take a step back and say, you know what, I can do this for other people too. So he has Vanity Six, he has the time, you know, he comes up with Kenny Rogers, and he comes up with Sheena Easton, and then he drops this one for the Bengals. And the only reason this song didn't go number one, oh yeah, Kiss was number one. Bengals was number two. Now, I know a lot of 
artists, not a lot, but a handful of artists have actually had two songs atop the Hot 100 at the same time. You know, Michael did it, the Beatles did it, but has anyone done it for two different, you know, groups or two, two different artists, the same mm. writer? I don't know about that. But when you look at it, you know, back then in 86, number one, Kiss, number two, Manic Monday. Oh, yeah, he wrote them both. And that, again, shows his versatility and creativity and not being caught up in the whole vortex of superstardom, but still putting out great, great music. That's what, uh, out of all the 80s, that's the one that represents him in that period to me. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> I would have never, I've never picked that, but that's it. Man, okay, Manic Monday, Bangles. And now he was, that was originally for Apollonia 6? Apollonia 6, yeah. Right. Yeah, interesting. All right. The 80s, Manic Monday, Big Sexy. Next up, Mr. Ant Poop. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say this with love. Fuck you, Mike, because yeah. this is just too goddamn hard to finish. One, one song from the 80s, because then you like, there's so many masters to, be, to serve. There's the hits. There's the deep catalog cuts. Then you got the Facebook Purple Army people. Then you got the hardcore housequake. So when you make this pick, it's like, I'm like, oh shit, I can't fuck up. I can't fuck up. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying fuck you, Mike, because why are you putting this on me? This is why you I blame Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was actually my idea. So if you want to send the F you my way, that's cool. There you go. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know you just yet. You might be squatter. So I don't know. <laughs> I'll keep that back. Uh, so I'm going to just go with me and what I'm feeling and what I think people should hear. And for me, it is the lyrics. It is one of the greatest, one of the, well, okay, maybe the second greatest, but one of the greatest drum programming he's ever done. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ballad of Dorothy Parker. There you go. That, I, I can't believe it because I've, I, I, Heard it on Sign of the Times a number of times. I can't believe I'm making a Sign of the Times pick, but if you, uh, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. God damn it. Yes, that's the one. I listened to it really hard, I want to say about four or five years ago. And I actually played it out, I want to say over three days, playing it back to back to back to back, just listening to the story he was telling, trying to understand what he was saying, trying to really decipher. The, everything the and the the quiet talking about going to the quiet room, talking about taking a bath with his clothes on to really de-escalate those situations. The flirting, I mean, the the line what he said, uh, uh, I, I'm gonna get killed for it, whatever. Um, pants were wet, but they didn't, uh, but they didn't come off because she hadn't read the book. She didn't get to see the movie because she hadn't read the book first. I was like. That I mean, that right there can be deconstructed in a class. Just that line alone. And he has so much in it. And then it's like, to me, the sparseness of the song. But then he has probably one of the most complicated drum beats ever. That to me is just masterful. And the sad part of, I mean, you can call it sad. I'm going to say sad. Sad part about it is it wasn't released as a single. So the genius of that song is only appreciated within a certain set of people that really listen to the song. So that one right there, I would not be mad at people um, um, covering it because it's a beautiful song and it's a really well put together song at that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorite 
different songs ever. So I can't mm-hmm. I can't be mad at that. No way. That again, uh, just I co-sign everything you said. To, to me, that song is just one of those genius type songs of Prince. Like it's incredibly funky. I can hear, you know, the Sly Stone sort of you know thing through it. But it's but it's Prince's interpretation, and he puts his own unique stamp on it and then just in terms of the time that it came out and like everything he had already done at that point and i remember when i first heard that i was just like this dude is really like super creative like who would have thought to make it sound like that and to sing it like that and just uh last thing i was i remember uh the album i went over my grandmother's house and my dad was there he was living at the time and he had to Sign of the Times cassette was sitting out. And I was like, is this yours? And he was like, yeah. He, and I remember he wasn't a super fan of Prince or nothing like that, but he was a big music guy. And I knew if he liked something, I, I knew it was some real shit. He was just like, and I was, a, I was a fan of Prince fan at the time, but I was shocked that he had it. He was like, yeah, he, he, this is his shit right here. He, he came back with this one. I was like, okay. I was like, and I remember he mentioned the song. Like, yeah, that that song right there. I don't know about all the other shit, but this right here. So yeah, that's one of Prince's lyrics for sure. All right, um, and you got me thinking about this song, uh, Chris. All right, I'm I'm kind of torn right now on what song I want to go with uh, because. I have my notes in front of me, so like I, I know what I want to say. But Big Sexy had made a comment earlier saying that that Prince had a run from 82 to 88 that was unparalleled. And I feel some kind of way because he left out 89 because I'm a Batman guy. <laughs> so I'm tempted to pick a song from that album that still fits the the category I'm going for. Because in the 80s, like Prince's imagination was out of this world. Like nobody else was even on the same wavelength as this cat. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna call an audible here. I am gonna go with something off of Batman. I have no notes, so if I stumble through through my explanation, uh, uh, you know, just forgive me a little bit. So I'm gonna go with Vicky Waiting instead yeah. of If I Was Your Girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. So Vicky Waiting uh, to me, like musically, it floats into that psychedelicness of around the world in the day. Um, but what I love is his uh, songwriting approach and talking about how Bruce Wayne, like he understands that he's a crime fighter, but he also wants to be this family man because he know that Vicky is, is romantically interested in him. Um, and there's a, in the third verse, he says, talk of children still frightens me. Is my character enough to be one that deserves a copy made this? I one day hope to see. And that lyric cuts me to the core every time because Prince who tragically died alone and without a child one of the same things as everyone else you know so like that lyric it, it just hits different now than it did when i first heard it um so that i'll, I'll go with that pick I'll, I'll go with vicky waiting for the 80s because again like his ability to be able to kind of talk about himself inadvertently but still talk about bruce wayne batman through that soundtrack to me like that that's what separated him from everybody else I'm sorry. Your name is Chris, right? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to send the F you your way because after you, <laughs> after you said the part about him dying alone, I started tearing up, man. I'm sorry, bro. Man, how you don't do that? 
I'm sorry. For her. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, I, what? It's it's all good. I, I can definitely handle the fu. I'll, I'll take that with love, man. It's all good. <laughs> uh, man, bravo. That's I mean, that That's was deep. deep. That yeah. was really deep. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you, you you make me remember, man. I mean, I never forget. But that song is yeah, that song actually reminds me of, of a song I'm gonna pick later on. You know, I okay. I remember. Um, cool. All right. Uh, so my pick of the eighties uh, for me again, I just have to go with what I feel. Uh, and so that song for me is I still play it to this day, and it has been recently re-released, uh, and you can hear even even better is Lady Cab Driver. Um, mm. Yeah, I think for me, in my mind, instinctively what I think are Prince, there are certain sounds and instruments and things. And Lady Cab Driver is everything that I think of Prince from this period. You know, I hear the time, I hear, you know, what I call classic Prince, the guitar scrap, you know, the way he does his vocals, the slickness of it, the, the storytelling. Uh, of it this song is sort of like the original sort of song that we see him do later on like a crystal ball you know it's a sort of very epic cinematic type of uh funk thing that takes you on a journey like you kind of start here and then it gets to this crescendo this extended jam breakdown and really just getting deep musically but still funky as hell and then relaxes you in back to it and then brings it back at the end where, you know, goes back into the chorus of the song. He's, you see him do, you know, uh, Never Take the Place of Your Man, Crystal Ball, some of these songs where he just really takes it. Another song that I'm going to mention later. And this was like the first one, but it was just in that real, uh, just that chicken scratch funk. You know, he's playing the drum snares over the Lynn drum. It's just all in the pocket. And the fact that it's just really one guy doing all that. And of course, you got Jill Jones. You know, it's got the, the profane, cra- you know, the, the part about Prince would make you, you know, like, what the hell is he talking You know, <laughs> this is for the women. You know, all, it's just, it's it everything. It's like, it's something nobody else would think to do. Um, and I think that song still plays today. It's the jam. It doesn't never not be the shit. So my my pick for the eighties is just is Little Ray. I mean, excuse me, Little Ray, Lady Cab Trap. That's a dope pick, man. That's a dope pick. All right, all right. So uh, that's the eighties. So we did. Uh, let's do a recap. I, I did Little Ray Corvette. We had Vicky Waiting, uh, Manic Monday, mm-hmm. and just tip my tongue. Uh, Dor- the Ballad, Ballad of Dorothy, Dorothy Parker. Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's a great a, song. Yeah, that's a hell of a play. That's a little playlist right there. <laughs> for sure <laughs> for sure okay the 90s the 90s and you know this is always the thing well i don't know if it's so much the 90s anymore i remember it used to be it was a lot of highly contested oh it was the 80s versus the 90s now i think it i see more of like 2000s versus everything but um mm. it was definitely a shift it, at least it felt like a shift now listening back you know, sometimes i question but there was definitely the music for some people changed or there was a different sound or different approaches to, to certain things. So the nineties is going to be very interesting because there's a lot of, there's a lot of albums in this period as well. A lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll go with Aunt Pooh first, man. What is your pick for the nineties? Uh, 
I've narrowed, I was narrowing it down to three, and now you're going to put me on the spot. <sighs> now, I want to go with the song off Graffiti Bridge that I think is very masterful, but I'm going to take it to the gold experience. So it's story time. Everybody gather around. The year <laughs> was 2003. I had just been dumped, and she mm. cheated on me. And as I was heading to work, going through my, uh, this is a CD player, kids, back in the day, you actually had to take a CD player <laughs> and hook it up to your cassette and put that into your cassette Damn. player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and, I was, and I was an early adapter and got the MP3. So I had that going. So I'm going through, I'm going through, and I cycle through this song, and it spoke to me. Here's the lyrics first. I never thought that you would be the one. Mm. After all the things that we've been through, you gave your body to another in the name of fun. I hope you had some baby. If not, boo-hoo. This song helped me get through that breakup. Because <laughs> I realized yes, it did. And it spoke to me. <laughs> You, you can still hear you can still hear it in my man's voice. Like it still feels some kind of way. <laughs> Whatever. But I, when I first heard the song in '96, I think it was yeah, it was John Lennon the house party out here at 92.3 to B. I was like, yeah. But as you mature and you go through some stuff and then you come back, it's amazing how that happens with Prince with me. And you go back and you hear it, you like this mug is talking to me. And it's just, to me, it's just a deep song. He's getting through that and he's being vulnerable and letting you know that, yeah, you can still love her, but you can hate what she did. You might be able to hate the person, but you can love the experiences that you had. And then on top of that, the music, because of course, after he's done um, singing the chorus and screaming, taking an interlude spot where he's <laughs> taking her to court. If you've seen the video, the MPG being the, the jury, no, I think Michael Bland was the judge. I didn't have the MPG as the jury. It was hilarious. And then to tune out because he wants to let you know how pissed off he is, but he's going to rock through it and power through it with that guitar solo. I'm picking this one. All right. I hate wow. you. Mm. And that's uh, that the one directed to uh, Carmen Electra. Mm. All right. All right. Uh, Wait, we, we have to say allegedly. We have to say allegedly. Allegedly, yes. Allegedly. Not in court. Allegedly. We don't want to get sued that, or something. Like that. Yeah, exactly. we got to keep that same energy that we had for certain other people, right? Mm. Hilarious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gail. I was on my Gail. Sorry about Yo, this. Sorry, y'all. I wasn't going to say that. That's why I said sorry. I didn't want to nah, bring Gail. that energy here. Nah, Gail King. Oh, no. <laughs> now, see, wow. Big Sexy, you to do a, we're going to do a video. Mike, Mike is not feeling good right now. He's <laughs> backlash. <laughs> Stop. All right. Um, uh, Big Sexy, the 90s, sir. What say you? All right, let's roll into the 90s. As we've already established, 70s was the birth of, of the genius. 80s was superstardom. 90s, rebel, war with the label. It all went sideways. After the success of Diamonds and Pearls, he had a new contract. 100 million, thought he was rolling until he read the small print. They put some handcuffs on him. And then 
in the midst of the battles with the label, Prince says, look, let me do one on my own. And you guys have, not, have nothing to do with it. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and that song happened to be the most beautiful girl in the world. Boom. Another massive hit. Against all odds, against his label, against conventional wisdom. He was getting heat for changing his name. And he pulls this out to let you know that in the midst of war, I still am that guy. And that to me is a timeless song, is a personal song. And as much as I enjoy the stories that Kevin Smith has shared about Prince, I'm glad Prince didn't let him use it. Because Kevin went to him and said, can I put this in? Jay and Silent Bob strike back. He's on, no, you can't have it. And that was that, because that song was very personal to him. And Maite at the time when they were together, and I haven't heard it since they broke up. I mean, let me phrase that. I've heard it perform after they broke up, and that says a lot. But to me, the 90s was about all of that chaos, all about the whole tour, tour thing, and this just stands out of all of that shit. You know, all the war, all the label drama, and he pulls this one out on his own, no label help, and he does it himself. And it blows up, and you got to respect that. All right. Mm. All right. All right. Uh, so next up, I will go here. Uh, my pick for the 90s. Uh, again, I just going back to songs that I still play to this day and just sit with me. So Love to the Nines. Uh, mm. 1992. This is the symbol album. And here's why I picked this song. One, uh, this song was uh, this album maybe even the last album, but this period was definitely a turning point for me in terms of uh, like with hip hop and Prince and, you know, you know, hip hop coming in so strong and the beauty to me as a Prince listener. And I'm saying this as a person who was in hip hop at the time, heavy, actually, you know, making music. I like that. I didn't, his stuff seems so separate from it to me. Like his stuff was separate from everything. And I so one of the things I loved about his music is sounds like nobody else. People can try to sound like this, but his shit don't sound like nobody else. I could hear his song or him playing on something. I would just know immediately like that's Prince. Like I, I just know it. But I saw that as it, time was going on, he was starting to o- open himself up and incorporate other that influence of hip hop into his music. And at first I didn't really like it because I didn't think just the way it sounded to me, I was like, it didn't seem authentic enough to the sound of hip hop. And it was something different. And I was like, that's not Prince. I want to hear that Prince sound. Um, and maybe it wasn't until like get off where I really was like, okay, he captured that production style and it sounds organic, blah, blah, blah. But with this song, to me, it encompasses uh, both of those styles perfectly well without it. And it still sounds like Prince. Like, when I first heard this come on the album, I felt, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for him to go to this sound here. It has that band sound to it. 
but it's distinctively that Prince feel to me. It, you know, the same feel I get from Crazy You, you know, um, and in his voice, his falsetto. I was like, ah, oh, this is great. And then it gets to a point where you, it seems like the hip hop and the rap is just, rah, we're here. And a lot of, a lot of people, oh, man, I don't want to hear the song after this certain part. But over time, man, I feel like you just can't deny, like, that music and Tony M and all of that stuff in it, I can't never hear the song without that now. I think it's dope the way it sounds now at where I'm at in life now listening to it and his Tony's voice. And I don't know if there's Carmen, whoever the other lady that he's going back and forth with. Prince, mm -hmm. again, it's one of the, it reminds me of Lady Cab Driver because it starts with just a simple kind of and then it yeah. becomes this whole big bombast you know it's taking you off of this musical journey and then it comes back you know even prince starts rapping and stuff but it comes back to and to me this song has the greatest prince ending ever <laughs> like mm. he just starts singing and harmonizing and it, it just basically breaks it down to the core just it's just ah it's ridiculous mm. i want to read one of the part again there's the rhythms that he has in this song also uh exceptionally well to me just the way he's saying when he go, don't use that don't use that magical mysterious intoxicating joy fantastic fascinating word called love unless you love me to the nines this is the only kind of love that I've been dreaming for. The kind of love that takes away your body, mind, and soul. Love something not. Ah, you already know. Like, it just gets me hyped. <laughs> <laughs> he was just, he was on one so heavy with this track, man. I implore you to go back and listen to this. It's a fascinating, intoxicating uh, song. So that's my pick. Wow. Gosh, I mean, I, I hate having to go last because all of you guys have <laughs> y'all. Y'all's picks are, are super dope, man. And Aunt Pooh, I thought you started to go with my pick because uh, you said you started out with Graffiti Bridge and switched over to uh, the Gold Experience because th those were the two albums that I was kind of shuffling through. I almost went with Join Repetition, but technically in my mind, it's an 86 track. So mm -hmm. I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I end up going with uh, so so from the '90s. All of us know, you know, Prince was the most skilled musician on the planet. Like he didn't have one skill that far outweighed the other. Uh, but out of all the instruments that he mastered, he knew how to make his guitar speak a magical language, which is why "Shush" is my pick for the '90s. Uh, he gives that song the power to dim lights and ignite candles on their own accord because his guitar sounds like lava coming out of a volcano. But I love how each guitar lick is memorable and it serves a purpose. Like he doesn't, uh, to quote to quote uh, Prince, he doesn't spoil the flow. Like he's not trying to overdo it. Like he picks and chooses his spots the right way. And dare I say that Shush is the reason why a bunch of babies were probably born nine months after the gold experience dropped. So um, a lot of folks owe their lives to Prince, so they better put some respect on their daddy's name. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Now, is there a particular version of this song that you like? Um, you know, I will have to go with Prince's version over Tevin Campbell's version, uh, just because I was the first one that I heard. Not that Tevin's version is is terrible. I mean, I I, I love it. I, I just think that because Prince's version was the first one I heard, like that to me is the definitive one. Was it the album? 
version? You heard yeah, yeah, oh, it was okay. the album version that that I had heard first. But then uh, I want to say like the next uh, version that I had heard was uh, there was a clip from the Musicology tour where he performed it live, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like he could not go wrong with that song on in, in the studio, live, wherever. Um, but I want to say what wasn't there. Um, uh, what, what, what's what's the name of the the video that he did with um, with Nona Gay? Beautiful yes, experience. yes, a beautiful experience. That's my version of the song. That's the first. Yeah, you, you know, and, and you know, I may I may want to I may want to renege on what I just said. I'll probably go with the beautiful experience version, like because that one is just that that's to use your word. That's a head buster for sure. Yeah, man. I, that's yeah. the first time I heard that song, and mm. when he does that guitar solo, I, I was done. I was like, this dude. I, I thought that that was the new moment. Like, you know, like yeah. a lot of people with Purple Rain was a big moment in the movie and it goes to sort of be a signature thing. I, I When I heard that, I thought like, yo, this is the new moment. Like that, mm-hmm. it's just that, that it's just when he drops that and brah, ah. but yeah, man, that sounds crazy. Yeah. If, if I, I'm, I'm not trying to be combative, but if I can put in a, another contender, for me, I don't. I mean, I I could be wrong. The beautiful experience is that the the tape version, uh, when him in that weird white onesie with uh, mm. Sunny T in the background hitting them bass. Huh? Is that you're talking about Shish Live, the beautiful experience one, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm just asking, is that the one you guys are talking about? Because for me, that was the definitive version until I saw um, the 2004 performance at the Staples Center with God rest his soul, John Blackwell putting on a mm. clinic on them drums. And ever since then, that's the one that I rock with more. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. In the 90s, I mean, there's so many awesome, ridiculous, I mean, you have Emancipation uh, shit for me. I think New Power Soul is mm-hmm. here. The gold experience. I mean, the, the Undertaker. There's just there's so much in this period. The, the, yeah. The, the MPG albums, uh, Exodus. Um, so it's a lot. It's a hard one to do. All right. Uh, let's move forward. 2000. 2000. Again, uh, there's a there's quite a bit of work here. Um, and I'm just going to go first. Let's get mine out of the way quickly. For me, my pick for 2000... Um, was Future Baby Mama. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, it's a, I know the song through and through, and I was going through a lot of these albums during the week, and I, and I just reminded myself, I was like, this song, it's almost like you, it ain't supposed to be. So I think the, the title of the song sort of throws me off a little bit, but to me, I listened to it, I was like, this song, I wouldn't be shocked if the song was an older song, kind of, but... It's so soulful to me again. What he's talking, this is like, at this point to me, Prince was such a heavy Mac and just lyrically a ladies man. And let me go back to the the 90s. His songwriting in the 90s was so superior, in my opinion, and to another level. His wordplay was just so slick. And here he's almost, he's mastered the shit to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, again, I love the drum programming on this. He's sort of trying to incorporate the, the Lynn drum sound going back to that. But I just think that this is such a uh, R&B. It's like, it's like, let me show you some R&B. <laughs> like, and it's like, after everything he's already done in his career, he can still just bring it back home. And like, to me, this song still works today. Like it's, 
you don't hear shit like this anymore. Even even from this period, you don't even hear nothing like this. And I just again, I fall in love with his voice. His uh, harmonies on here are ridiculous. So I, Future Baby Mama, I ain't got no problem saying if I had no other song to listen to from that era, I would. I, I still listen to this, and I think this song is incredible. And 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 Prince is a macking ass. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's all. That's my pick. Uh, we're gonna go to Big Sexy. <clears throat> all right. Nineties was all about rep- rebelliousness and fighting with the labels. Two thousands. He's the elder statesman. He's, this is his fourth decade of doing this, which is amazing. He comes out in February, uh, actually late January of oh uh, four steals the Grammys right out of everybody's hands. He, Him and Beyonce lit the building up. No one caught up to it. He let them all know. Yeah, I'm still that guy. Musically, had the big tour, Musicology. And on that album is a song, Call My Name. Mm. It's just like Mike said, this was a return to R&B. This was a return to true soul music. That song is a perfect, perfect song. Every time I see it or hear it, I stop what I'm doing. You know, because it's a great song and it really wraps up what he was about, you know, as the elder statesman, you know, not trying to compete, just saying, look, I've already carved out my area. You guys watch me and learn how to do it. And that's what he's doing here in this song. It's it is a magnificent song. Everything about it. The the video, the production of it, uh, we he brought back some old friends for it. He had Michael Bland in that one, along with Candy. Great, great performance all the way around. All righty, and Pooh, uh, Mark, why you do this to me? You took my song. You took my <laughs> no, song. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but you know me, I always have a contingency plan. So I'm going to go to the year is 2007 and there's this new album that comes out with Prince with his back to the wall and everything. I've already seen the black sweat video. So I'm like, all right, he's coming with something. This is kind of playful. Um, The lyrics are ridiculous and you can clearly see he has a musicianship. But when you, you ain't putting the needle to the vinyl. When you put the CD in and press play, that opening, and you hear Michael Bland just hammering the fuck out of them drugs. <laughs> one, I forgot what he says. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm showing. <laughs> one mix, one mix. And then, ha, ha, ha. Oh my God. That was just masterful. I know you guys are talking about his lyrics and, you know, he felt like he, his songwriting, he got to like his master era. But that right there was just that whole song, 31, 21 was just amazing. I don't care about the lyrics. Forget the lyrics. Cause it's just not about the lyrics. It is about that song, that jam session. He got the MPG in the studio with him and they put out a Banger, just the the breakdown when you hearing the uh, the horns with that uh, the guitar with that bass. The, 
it, it was just an amazing musical composition. And it just let me know that Prince is a bad mofo. And when he decides to let people in that studio with him, how he can turn out magic. So I wish that album got more love. I wish that song was a single because that was just an amazing piece. All right. And that was 3121, right? Yes, it was. 3121. All right, Chris. Mm. All right. So uh, so my pick for the 2000s, uh, again, kind of thinking of where he was in his career at that time. So we uh, were, were given the Rainbow Children. He's had this conversion uh, becoming a Jehovah's Witness. And it leads a lot of people to think that he's lost his edge. Uh, so my pick for the 2000s comes from what I believe is his best album from that decade. Uh, it comes from Lotus Flower and it's called Colonized Mind. Um, mm. I love this song because it's cut from the same cloth as Sign of the Times and Money Don't Matter Tonight. Uh, you know, he is talking about, you know, evolution. He's talking about racism. He's talking about the political system. Uh, but the the final like the final lyric right before he goes into the chorus, he says, upload a child with no father, download no respect for authority, upload a child with no mother, download a hard time showing love like that lyric right there shows you that this cat is not afraid to. Uh, just call it like it is and tackle controversial topics, because that is a problem that's within the black community is the breakdown of the family. Uh, so if a child does not have both sets of parents, to me, that that's what creates um, a lot of confusion for that child. And then they'll start going to other influences in their life uh, to, you know, just trying to make sense of stuff. And usually it doesn't end well. So um so, yeah, man, like and to see him, you know, reunite with, uh, you know, Michael B, Sonny T, it's just like, you know, he to, to me, he crushes it. He crushes it like that is the sign of the times or money don't matter tonight of the 2000s. And um, and it's a shame that Lotus Flower doesn't get as much love as, you know, Musicology or 3121 or even Rainbow Children uh, among the hardcore Prince fans. Mm, that's a deep song, man. I <laughs> what you just said about them lyrics okay I, clearly i'm uh um grossly derelict in my prince fandom as i that's not been a song that i've dug into and really paid attention to so i absolutely will but i kind of want to challenge you just a little bit because you said sign of the times money don't matter and i'm like okay wait a minute you you forgot one dear mr man i thought that was a successor i i i, I dig that song I, I i don't know if i could put it up there with sign of the times and money don't matter tonight to me that's that, that's like rare oh. air that's rare air wow. like you really got to bring your a game and to me with with colonized mind like he he brought his a game and, and then some so if anyone thought that he lost his edge and and that his you know that the tip of his pen got dull he woke him up with that one <laughs> okay okay i respect that but 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 i dig mr man though i really do it, it, it's got that um it almost feels like something you would expect from Marvin Gaye from like what's going on era. So, so like, you know, the early to mid seventies, like he's not afraid to, uh, you know, uh, address what's going on in the world, you know? So, so I, by no means am, am I like trying to, you know, sneeze at, at that song, man. Like that, that's, that's really a good pick though. It, it's, it's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. I've tried, I was trying to remember, I know somebody can hit me in the comments. It's, it's the, the groove of it is based off of a, James Brown song. I just can't remember which, which one. Mr. Man. 
It's yeah, a, dear Mr. Man. I'm, a, I'm trying to remember which one it is too, and it's it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember what yeah. it was, but 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 you're right though. It, it, it I believe it does sample James Brown, especially that horn lick that. It's that It's it's like a later James too. I just can't. Anyway, somebody will find it, but um, yeah, yeah that's a dope song. All right, man. So 2000. Well, let me ask this: so in 2000s though, like, um. Is it safe to say Prince, in my opinion, that's like in the 2000s and even going forward, Prince gets way more, uh, I don't want to say political, but definitely speaks more on race and and different issues in a more more straightforward way almost. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to say that there was an interview that he did with um, uh, Tavis Smiley. It was right around Lois Flower Air where he had been spending a lot of time with uh, uh, Dick Gregory and... um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that he did. Uh, he, he was more outspoken about stuff that mattered to him. And um, yeah, it was just like, hey, it is what it is. You can like it. Don't like it. I really don't give a rip what you think. I'm just going to say what I want to say. Yeah. yeah that comes with being, you know, an elder statesman in any field. You mm-hmm. know, people look to you for that wisdom and he was starting to share it. Yeah. Mm hmm. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't pick anything from this album. I don't think anybody did, but yeah, I, again, that's why I, I look at something like the rainbow children for me, that that's album. Where I was just like, to me really stood up and said, you know, I'm, yeah, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, <laughs> y'all don't, you know, and it's, it, it is what it is. It's like, yeah, this, why pop, you know, don't let it, don't, don't let it get, that was like his, don't let it get twisted now. Like, yeah, <laughs> I stand on this. <laughs> don't, yeah. let the, don't let the fruffle shoes, shirts, and the high heel boots get you. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For hey, sure. So, hey, hey, Mike. So I went into the org, and uh, the topic said Prince, dear Mister Man, borrows heavily from James Brown's. People get up and drive your funky soul. Yes, yes. Is that the one? Mm, yes, that is it. Search that. That song is. Filthy too when you hear it. Yep. Yeah. That song's let me stop. There's just some I have to say, I mean, there'd be some if you I don't know, some of our listeners, you may have heard some of the more, you know, more famous James Brown. But if you younger listeners, if if you really go check out some James shit, you're gonna have your mind blown because that that's just timeless funky shit, like, and you'll be like, Oh, this is what that song I like is based on, or oh, they was doing this, or oh, I mean, it's just that's uh, they're supposed to, and it probably is. They need to be the James Brown podcast <clears throat> because, I, I, and I'm not, and I am definitely not <clears throat> the knowledge to that, but yeah, that music is ridiculous. I don't. Mm-hmm. So I I just put the song on and I'm like, yep, I totally hear that, but don't do don't but don't yeah. But also the beginning of the song where it goes da 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 da, I'm like, that's a people pleaser. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there you yeah. go. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. That's a good good pickup. There's, a, there's good some pick there's some other hip hop and R and B songs that have sampled that literally that that whole little horn thing. But yeah, I mean James, mm-hmm. psh, man, treasure trove. And um, uh, so one, one words, last thing: never going to be broke. No, <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> um, one uh, since we're on the topic of James Brown, real quick, um, I pointed this out to my mom not too long ago. 
Um, one of her all-time favorite songs is uh, That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. And um, she did not know that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis sampled Papa Don't Take No Mess mm. for that song. He was like, bum, 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 bum. That's the that's the foundation for that's the way love goes, and you can hear it in the chorus. And I, I play both songs for her. She's like, Chris, how on earth did you hear that? <laughs> but I'm like that. that you, but like you said, like you can hear certain snippets. You're like, I know I've heard that somewhere. Where have I heard it? And then you'll come across the original song. And be like, that's it. That's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, two thousands. Uh, now we're jumping to twenty ten. I don't know what I forget what they call that. What's the 2010? Yeah, that's how I always heard it. It's just the 2010. That's why I kind of show my age. I'd be like, it's all 2000s to me, but because we always thought that by the time in the 2000s, it's going to be on some heavy futuristic type shit from all these movies. It's the same shit. And now it's literally 2020. I'm like, where the fuck is the. I was expecting two things. I was expecting it was going to be Flying Cars, Blade Runner, or it was going to yeah. be or it was Back gonna to be, the Future, uh, Toxic Avenger, Wasteland World, or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> but we on the same shit. So, Yo, what, what's worse is wrong. Yeah, yeah. What's worse is we're kind of taking a step backwards, man. We got kids eating Tide Pods. We don't even have flying cars yet, so. <laughs> But, uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to go there, but as bad as people are driving cars on roads, I don't want them in the air. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, it, 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 back then, it, I just thought it would make logical sense, but now, of course, that would be a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you have any order in the air. Nah. <laughs> Can you imagine the type of drive-by shootings going down? Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah, it would be a complete disaster. Bare oh. left, bare left. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, so 2010, we're here at another era of Prince, and this is, I, I, I guess in one way, it is the last era of albums in, when he was alive, let's say it that way. Obviously, there have been many, there's been newer albums, and I'm sure there's going to be album releases of this year. But um, I'll just pick one song. Uh, this song... I picked this song because when I first heard it, I was surprised of uh, the funkiness of it and like just the sound of it because this is a newer era to me. I would not be shocked again if this song actually dates back to some other period and just sort of dusts it off. But uh, the song that I always play is one of my favorites of all time, uh, Sticky Like Glue. Mm. Um, I, I just, to me, it's, it's a return to again. It's the drum machine, Prince bass and guitar, and uh, it's just funky. Like the the rhythm and the way he sings the song. You know, to me, the song what makes the song to me is this is this here. Is and it just that's the way he sings lyrics. He's, me and then he just come in there. I was like, ah, I heard that. I was like, oh, that's the he clowning with it. It's just that tight, smooth type, you know, just like, ah, oh, man, he's he's still got that sound. And then he's just, it's just that old school. It reminds me of Cab Driver and just the way that he's playing the guitar. It's just those funky licks that I always think about Prince. I just always think he's got the illest licks, like 
to me, again, his sound is that chicken scratch and the way that he do it and get the jamming on it. You know, he's just like, he be grooving with the shit. And this, to me, just, it has that same feel, the background vocals and the harmonies. When you listen to it with headphones and he's, and the girls come in, you know, stick it like who? Uh, you can hear Shelby in there. It's just a, a, a dope ass track to me that, again, it's just a timeless type of song. It's not the biggest, like, you know, you hear all this and that, and that but it's just, again, to me, I always feel like his R&B soul music, to me, he, that's, he just does that. To me, everything else he has learned and mastered, but I always feel like if you just stripped him away, he would just be a soulful dude. The way he sings the shit, he sings it soulfully. And so he always has that gut busting when he really be feeling it. And, you know, all that. That's just mm. that soul from his soulfulness that just so embedded in Prince, man. But he just does it in his, such a unique way. So Sticky Like Glue 2010, the album 2010. Uh, to me, this album is majorly slept on, in my opinion. Yes. I think it is one of his best works, but uh, that's my pick for 2010. Uh, Big Sexy Insect. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. This one was difficult because there was so much going on. I was leaning towards Rock and Roll Love Affair for the same reason I'm going to go ahead and pick. And again, I'm going outside of the box. I'm picking the third plexum electrum album the whole album why because <laughs> we're gonna slide a whole album in here <laughs> pick one song break the whole this, this okay. isn't, mark this isn't love sexy it's not one whole track no, hey. <laughs> let, me, let me make my argument let me, let me make my argument go ahead go um, ahead. in 2000s we have the elder statesman in the 2010s we have the teacher now. And if you look at what he was doing that whole time, this is the first time Prince allowed anyone to produce him. So he's mm -hmm. turning the keys over to... Well... I'm yeah. sorry. Have yeah, I missed something? Well, of course you have. I don't know how publicized it is, but emancipation is essentially Prince and uh, Kirk... Kirk, yeah. doing, Kirk doing a lot of the production on a lot of those songs. Mm -hmm. like, he had people producing the shit. Yeah, but it wasn't quite the same. I mean, not not the output, but it wasn't really talked about. I didn't That's know fair. that until you just told me. That's fair. That's fair. You know, and with um, Mr. Jordan, you let him do his thing. He also had Andy Allo running around teaching her. Now, I'm sure I've heard there's more to it than that. I don't want to get into that. But he's teaching her. He has a third eye girl group. He's teaching them. And as we all know, this album also introduces Miss Lizzo to the to the world. That's so right. He's taking That's all right. these young people and showing them, look, this is what I've done. This is what I'm about. Let me teach you what I have. Uh, there is one song that's not on this album that I was also thought about going with, Revelation. The long version. You let my man, I forget his name, tear that sax solo up. And it wasn't Eric Leaves and it wasn't Eddie Minifield. It was somebody else. Gave him a shot. Mono Neon gave him a shot. He's letting all these new people, you know, 
learn from him and be around him and he's giving back. And that's really a big part of the tragedy of the loss because he was giving it all back to people who've come up behind him and teaching them what he learned in this business. And you can't ask for more than that. But I will ask you to give us one song. Oh, let me do a song. <laughs> you ain't shit. Okay, fine. I'll give you one song off this album. White Caps. Because when I hear that song, it makes me cry. Shut up. What? No. Hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. All right, all right. White Caps it is. Plectrum Electrum. Mm. And that was, what year was that? I was, that was 2014. Yeah, it was 14. 2014, yeah. man. Okay. All you right. Know, if you, if you but, had to eat to that, it turns it into a whole nother meaning. Here you go. <laughs> got it. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, yes. And, and I was late. I was late to that. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's a, it's a, it took me a second. It took me a second. <laughs> the funny thing is I could see Prince writing a song like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Ampu, go ahead. Uh, it's kind of hard, but I'm going to go with this one because the lyrics is great, even though it's a sample. It's from the Artificial Age album. And Prince, he decides, I'm going to go, I'm going to take it back to my 90s group and I'm, and I'm going to give y'all my flow, my, 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 even my rap flow. And I can't do the man justice, but I'm going to try to do this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, here we go. For the record, let me state that I never had a reason to break contract endeavors or server relationships with anyone. I pleasure, pleasure. You know, yeah, I know I, that was crap, whatever. But I tried. I, I appreciate I the effort. The man's, the man's a genius. <laughs> I'm like, he sampled this. I wish uh, I, I want to give the young lady her props. Unfortunately, I didn't do the Googles to get who the sample was from. But he sampled her song. Thank you. He sampled mm-hmm. her song and put a twist on it and made it his own. And then he updated with this lyrics and that flow. I'm like, whoever whoever uh, produced that 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 inst- that uh, instrumental, you brilliant. And the fact that Prince took it with very few tweaks to it, you should feel honored by that. That he thought so much of your musical composition to change it slightly. And then write some really great, clever, sexual, sensual, playful lyrics on that. And then he, on top of that, he is throwing some game. He's on his, what I would like to say, his midnight. Because I we joked about this. I said that Artificial Age was Prince uh, doing a 90s R&B album. Well, on this song, he decided he was going to be LL Cool J from the 90s. Where he's macking on, because you all know, he, most of his songs, he was macking on somebody else's girl. Mm-hmm. You know how much I want you. You know how much I care. When he gone, you know I'm going to flaunt you. You know, you know. So he's just letting you know that, okay, he, that ain't your real man. And I'm gonna, we going to be together. I'm going to have him. He's he not going to last. And, you know, he he did that with uh, If I Was the Man in Your Life. And he definitely do this here, letting you know that I'm the man you need to be. And here's how I'm going to stimulate your mind before I stimulate the body. And let you know that. Mm. He ain't he ain't on my level, but go ahead and find that on your own. But I'm going, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I gotta give that man props for that song. And oh my God, the music and the way, like again, the way he's flowing on the song, the the voice, and the way he's just having so much fun and being uh um uh, 
teasing and flirting with it. It was just brilliant. So I got to give, uh, what's his name? Is it John uh, Went- Welton? That was his Joshua name? Joshua Welton. Joshua. Joshua. Yeah. Yeah, I got to give him props. He, I don't know if he found it or Prince found it, but they put out a really great song there. I, I, I was remembering our original interview on that that album. You, you wasn't trying to give him his props if, I, if I'm mistaken. <laughs> Hey, you know, <laughs> sometimes age and maturity, right? Okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like, cause back, cause like I said, back then I was like, why is he going with all this 90s stuff? Now it's like, you know, okay, I guess I can appreciate him, you know, being a little richer, which is amazing because, you know, Prince did it. And be like, Prince, what you doing? But then Bruno mm-hmm. Mars did it. He's like, oh, he's a fucking genius. All right, Chris. Yo, all right. So full disclosure, Aunt Pooh, you're probably gonna want to step away from this one because this is one's gonna get emotional for me too. It's better not be boy trouble. No, oh god. Or like no. a match. Nah. <laughs> nah. Can't we cry? It, it, yo, as far as hit and run phase one goes, you could fart on that record. I don't like it. I hate it. Wow. I hate Joe hate mail to him. Princess friend. And that's the thing. Like Pr- Princess Friend and I have talked about that record. He loves it. I'm like, man, you could fart on that record. I do not like it. It oh, stinks. But anyway, um, wow. Okay. All right, so my pick for the uh, 2010s, again, just reflecting on where he was uh, at this time, we started to see him take his guard down a little bit and open up about stuff that's been going on in his personal life. Um, And we really saw that during the piano and the microphone shows, like he started really opening up to folks. And uh, um, my pick is Way Back Home from Artificial Mm. Age. Yo, uh, no. I'm not going yeah. on that. That's yeah. That's one of those. You better have some tissue ready. Yeah, yep. and, and and that's why I say like it, it gets emotional for me because uh, the, if you think about the foundation of that record, it's got this little chugging pattern. It's got that. Anytime I hear that, it's a callback to Sex in the Summer because it, it almost sounds like that ultrasound effect of his son's heartbeat. Um. And, and for me on way back home, I, I believe like it, to me, it sounds like it, it's his heartbeat seeking its way back home, wanting to go to heaven and reconnect with his son. Like, that's what I get from it. Um, so, Mike, so for it, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Mike, do not bring this man back on. Yo, like, right. I, I'm not even going to lie. Like I'm fighting back tears as, as I'm talking about this. Cause like, it's, like that song just hits so hard because like as he's talking it's like he's reflecting on everything that he's been through um and and, you know he talks about most of the people in this world are born dead but i was born alive so he lived several lifetimes in the one lifetime that he was here and he's he's he feels like he's fulfilled his purpose he's ready to you know be in heaven with god and he wants to reconnect with amir and and all that stuff so um Anesthesia will always be the gold standard for me as far as him confessing his soul on record, but way back home has to be in line for the silver medal for me. It's right there. Mm, mm, mm. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You got me over here with tears in my eyes. You got to stop doing mm. this. That when you break it down like that. Shh. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, man. I really am. I really am. But uh, But yeah, just during that decade, like he really opened up in a way that none of us had 
had ever been used to seeing. So, and then after reading his uh, memoir, the beautiful ones, it's like, he was ready to, to open up and let people in and, and show like, Hey, like I, I get, like I've built all this mystique over the past few decades, but you know, I'm a, I'm a flesh and blood human being, just like you, I've had my shares of peaks and valleys and, you know, and kind of going into what um, Big Sexy had said earlier is that he was a teacher. He wanted to invest in the younger generation into the Joshua Weltons, the Third Eye Girls, the Janelle Monets, Leanne LaHavis, uh, Andy Allo, Mono, Mono Neon, and, um, and just countless people that that he has influenced um, over the years. So like he... To, to see him take his guard down like that, I, it almost feels like he kind of knew like his final days were coming, you know, and, and, it, and it's it just rocks me to the core that that he was so aware of that, you know, um, and then with Artificial Age as as an as an album to me, like that deserves to be mentioned with his classics. Like it's it's such a phenomenal record. And that's that's incredible. I, I get this album, the hit and run albums, they all sort of flow together in my mind. Just Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I have to really start looking at them. I listen to them as separate sort of things because I, when I think of artificial age, I, I see myself thinking of some of these other songs that no, are not on that album. But uh, mm-hmm. and that was an album where he had sort of sat out for in terms of releasing albums. He hadn't released an album for quite a while, like a couple years. Yeah, right? yeah, it was like a four year gap. Yeah, yeah, which was which was odd in itself. Um, yeah, man. So this is Prince. So, so this year we or this decade we had way back home, um, sticky like glue. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm sorry, uh, big sexy. What song did you pick again? White white caps. White caps. White. Mm-hmm. And then Aunt, you had. You know. You know. You know. It's amazing yeah. they all around the same era too. Yeah. 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 Um. So with this, uh, we've, we have our picks and, you know, I think it'd be interesting if, if you make a, you know, take a, take all of this and make a playlist of this, right. And mm. see how that sounds to you. But as we wrap this up, I want to just go to everybody uh, and get their opinion. And, I, you know, this could either go super long or whatever, but of these eras that we just had, not asking you what's necessarily better, mm-hmm. what, what, which decade resonates more with you so um you need time to think about that or are you ready to answer otherwise i can kind of go i'm ready all right well ampu go ahead which one resonates with me is the 90s because i feel like and yeah don't don't get in your feelings on this i'm talking not just the people on the panel but the, the prince army the purple army I feel like it's a lost decade. You know, he, we were so um, bought, buying into them, but I'm sorry, not buying it. We were so consumed by Slave, the fight with Warner Brothers, the, the changing of his name, that we let that define Prince. And then you realize, well, me, almost the, the next decade, that goddamn, he was putting out some great music, stuff that I was overlooking because I was going towards hip hop. So when the symbol album came out, I didn't pay attention to that. I wasn't, and I, I'll keep saying, I wasn't mature enough to appreciate the music there. Um, the Come album, the gold experience that just went by me, except for I Hate You because that got airplay. Uh, Crystal Ball, which has so much stuff on there. So I say the 90s because he, 
in my opinion, said that eighties motherfucker, Purple Rain, that's gone. I mean, the this uh, ain't no back in the day shit to quote cheese. You know, <laughs> here's the stuff. This is what I'm on now. And on top of that, since I'm away from Warner, who's giving me all this input, who's telling me, oh, we need a single. We need a hot single. Oh, we need to be able to connect to this audience or that audience. And just him saying, no, I'm Prince. This is the music I'm putting out. They're going to come on it and get it or they not. But I'm going I'm going to get the bag still. And you have a catalog of really great songs, really diverse songs where you just, you, you get a rocker, you get a funk, you get a pop, you get the, the rap uh, influence. So I would say the 90s because while he created some great musical compositions in the 80s and those are classic and timeless, the 90s is where he just experimented and just did some things that you're just like, I can't believe he did that. Um, I wanted to go with endorphin machines, but that's more so the music than the actual lyrics. But when you look at that, it's like, that's that's a great piece of writing. Um, I love you, but I don't trust you anymore. And you're just thinking like, first of all, that, that everybody thinking that he was talking about my time. And he, the fact that he was still able to elicit that type of emotion and response while you had this sideshow with everything he was going on and fighting. Amazing. All right. Big Sexy and sex. You know, I, <clears throat> I got to go with the 90s as well because there really t- was time where he showed that he was a consummate musician and performer. You know, there was the whole deal with the label and all that but he never stopped playing and he never stopped putting booties in the buildings wherever he was playing it that's where the party was and people can't say that a lot the only thing i can think of that's like close to that would be like my man uh margaritaville that guy uh what's his name jimmy buffett i don't think jimmy's released an album in years but wherever he's always on tour and he's always packing buildings. Prince did the same thing. He's all, look, I'm not doing this, you know, with, with Warners. I'm going to go out there and play and let my music speak for me. And he changed styles kind of like Bowie did back, back in the seventies. He had this jazz thing going on for a minute. He had the rock thing going on. Yeah, the R and B going on, and he and he did it all effortlessly. And to quote Jimmy Jam, he could still come out, pick up your instrument, and play it better than you can. And that's that's not something we're we're gonna see again. And I find myself looking at all the um, imported footage that I've seen over the years. It always goes back to the '90s because it's always a large catalog to choose from. And he has the best musicians, and he's always had the best musicians. But he's got these world class musicians playing and keeping up with him, and he, which allows him to do even more. And it's just that was a great time for me. That really defines it for me. All right, Chris. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm glad you picked me because I feel like you're probably going to want to end this episode on on a high note. <laughs> so. Um, I'm going to go with the 2010s uh, for, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one being uh, in 2011, shortly after my 21st birthday, my mom surprised me with tickets to see Prince for the first time live. Mm-hmm. And um, 
this is during the, the Welcome to America tour. And uh, up until that point, I had only been to Christian concerts, never been to like a mainstream artist concert. So Prince was the first guy for me to do that. And for him to be 53 years old at the time and have the energy of a 20 year old and rock the house for three hours. Like from that moment on, I became a huge Prince fan. And, you know, he got me into getting records on vinyl and uh, picking up a bass guitar. Like he was a major, major influence on me after seeing him live. And, um, you know, again, just seeing just all the stuff that that he was doing during this time, even though it compared to everything else that he accomplished in his career. This is one of the more kind of reserved periods of, of his career. You don't see him as much. Um, so I remember seeing him show up on award shows and he would get more applause for handing out awards than the artist actually won them. And that made yes. me laugh, yes. you know, because it, it, it just it spoke to it, it spoke to the legend that he is. But it also spoke a lot about the kind of music that we make now. It's so disposable. You know, you don't have as much timeless music um, in, in this period. And um Oh boy, I, I'm gonna try not to get emotional, and and I hope you guys don't uh, be like, yeah, we're not bringing Chris back to the show after this comment. But <laughs> um, when Prince had passed away, uh, rest in peace to Sean Hill. He gave me my first ever platform to write on any website. Period. Um, he gave me a chance to just reflect on how much uh, Prince meant to me, and. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm so appreciative of the fact that he even gave me a platform to do that because he he gave me so much confidence to keep going as a writer. And that's why I ended up uh, pursuing albumism.com and, and, you know, doing stuff with Prince's friend and, and continuing to do independent writing on my own. And I'm just I'm so, so appreciative of Sean for doing that because because he just reached out to me and said, hey, do you want do you want a, a platform to kind of you know, get your thoughts out. I'm like, absolutely. Like that would mean so much, you know? So, um, so yeah, man, just I, for me, it's the 2010s. Cause I, that's, I was able to experience Prince in real time, you know, like before that I was having to do a lot of homework and being like, okay, well, this is what you did in the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, but artificial age, the hit and run albums, you know, I was able to experience those in real time and, and get wrapped up in the excitement of a new Prince record. Um, I didn't uh, necessarily have that luxury doing that before uh, just because of the stuff that I was listening to at the time. So, um, so yeah, man, the, the 2010s for me uh, will always hold a special place in my heart as far as uh, Prince's legacy. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, I was going back and forth between either eighties or nineties, but I had to remember the question, what resonated with me? And for me, I'm going to pick the 80s, and I'm going to say this. One, musically, every, just about every era to me for Prince, the music is all dope. Like, I don't, it's still Prince to me. Even the stuff where uh, his sound grows and he becomes a better musician and different things, I still hear Prince for the most part, so it's all the same to me. Um, but I say the 80s be because, um, and again, I like what you said in real time. For me, that was when I got to, I was watching Prince in real time and there was no legend of Prince at this time, right? Um, he, he didn't have legendary songs per se. <laughs> it was mm -hmm. all just happening and it was the first time we'd ever seen this. 
and so to me, it was just like uh, seeing Prince for the first time, not understanding what that was. I was very young. And then when he sort of becomes, you know, a superstar and I mean, it's, you know, and this isn't a world where you, he had to outshine Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, if you sort of remember in that time, Michael was just there was Michael was almost nothing else. At least that's how it seemed to me as a kid. Mm-hmm. So anything that could pull you away from one of the greatest of all time <laughs> had to be absolutely the shit in mm-hmm. every way from the music to the presentation of it, the look, it had to be something you had never seen before. Uh, and to me, when Prince fine, when it just was burst to the mainstream, I was mesmer. I would say I was honestly more mesmerized by him, like his appearance and the way he moved and just this, the whole thing was unseen to me before. I had never experienced anything like that. And I was just like, and, and to see it, it was on the big screen. So it's so like, whoa, this, look at this black guy on the screen. He looks like nobody. I've never seen us like this. Mm-hmm. And the music is, uh, you know, so catchy and you, and all of this, it was the full package. Like you see Apollonia and Morris Day. I, I had heard of this guy before, but fuck, they're on the screen and they're so charismatic and, it was a lot, you know, to me, so to me, it blew me away. And then um, once I was like, yeah, I'm digging this. And then he just totally flips the script. <laughs> yeah. He had never seen anybody do something like that. I was like, wait a minute. He's not yeah. the guy that I saw. He looks, he looks totally different. But this is, what is this? This is so fascinating. So that's what resonates to me. It was everything was absolutely different each time. And it was pushing things forward. And even if I didn't even understand it at the time, like I didn't really get it, get it, and didn't really appreciate it, just to sit it, to see it all sort of happen in front of me was was fascinating. Uh, by the time I got to see uh, another concert of Prince, there was such a large gap. I think it was a song in 84 and then got to see it in 88. But I had mm. seen... Sign of Times at the movies, and um, and at that time you could watch you you could buy the video and watch it at home. And I watched that over and over, and the brief glimpses of where you saw him on TV performing, he would be drastically different every single time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it would be drastically dope every single time. I was like, how come I can't get it? I you know, I couldn't get enough of it, and you couldn't go to the concert. So I was just like, whoa, this guy is. Cr- and, you know, music changed in terms of the musical landscape. You know, obviously hip hop was so coming strong, but his music went just some all other area that it was so unlike anything else. And I was just like, this guy's got balls to like, he not following nobody. And he was having hits. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was like, wow. <laughs> so to me, it just it resonated me, me with me more because I had never seen that before, uh, he, and he wasn't a legend at that time. He was building the shit, and so it was just mm. interesting to watch it. And if you didn't understand it or how how it could just totally change so fast, um, it was it was just a fascinating time. But but I, I was looking at so I was looking at my playlist that I listened to. 
and it's, but I, I say I wrestled between the nineties because I when I look at my playlist, it actually is more dominated by nineties Prince material. Wow. Than anything else, uh, because I felt like his music was always the same. But I just think like there was much more released during that period, and I find myself there was a lot more work that he released in that period that I could listen to, as opposed to just these albums every year. He was coming with a plethora of material. And lastly, I will say too, the reason, the other part of why the eighties is very interesting to me is because I still play it to this day. The, the, the Madhouse project, just uh, shit like that. It, it just fascinates me. I was like, how does this guy have time to do this? And it, and it's dope. And it's not like it's some bullshit. It doesn't sound whack. At least not to me. It sounds incredible. Like that first Madhouse album is a masterpiece to me. In, in context that I know is Prince doing it. And I, I was like, how is he able to do this? I know he writes songs for other people, but how is he able to do this shit? And this shit is bomb. Like, it just boggles my mind. Like, it's, ah, it's, it's, so it's just so creative. And then I'll ask, I can't wait for this new book by Dwayne to come out. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that cover, I was just like, ah, man, that book is going to be long as fuck because he just went bananas in the studio during this period. Like there's so many yep. songs created. I just like, it's, it, it boggles my mind how he's going to write about it. But, uh, so that, that speaks, speaks to me. But like I said, to me, all eras of Prince decades, it's the same music. Maybe he may be in better recording studios or there's an advancement in technology in terms of how sonically the shit sounds. But it, to me, the music mm-hmm. is the same. It's all the same shit in my opinion. Mm. All right. Uh, did we get everybody on that? I think, I think so. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Again, I want to thank Chris. Chris came up with the idea for this episode. It was a great, great topic. Uh, Chris, thank you uh, so much for coming on. Where can people find you online? Yeah, man. Uh, thank, thank you guys so much again for allowing me to be a uh, part of the episode. Uh, I'm sure Aunt Pooh would probably like, yo, don't bring this cat back. So, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, my name is spelled C-H-R-I-S-L-A-C-Y. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Lacey 90 and uh, Instagram Chris Lacey 1990. All right. Big sexy and sack. I can be found on Facebook under Mark Wiggins. Instagram, Mark Wiggins, too. And Twitter, WSE Mark. All right, Mr. Ant Pooh. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ant Pooh. All right, and you can find me creeping out the, your mama's bedroom before you get up, nigga. No, I'm just um, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm that dude. No, nah, I'm just joking. Nah, I hope you're talking to the 20-year-olds and not the 50-year-olds. <laughs> Hey, Mama fine too. Anyway. <laughs> you can find me here at podcastjuice.net. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, I suppose, and YouTube, right? Um, but again, we thank you guys for your support. Also, please, you can uh, become a Patreon. We have a Patreon page and we, we, we do other shows on there as well, Prince related stuff. But definitely check us out. I believe it's uh, patreon.com slash prince podcast or podcast juice. The link will be in the description here. With the, yeah, I'm old. I'm, 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 y'all gonna find it. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll, link. We'll put the link in there. Um, but uh, appreciate you listening. Listen, 
Work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace. Just couldn't live it loud. Cause it's a grown man hustle, baby. And I ain't playing around. So get your money up first and we'll see who's down. Got a homeboy. Just couldn't live it now